Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable. I have the biggest crush on this city. Things that used to annoy me in London happen in Paris, and I'm just like, oh, it's Parisian. This place is so god-awfully just sexy as fuck. Like, it's raining right now. I don't know if you can hear it. It wasn't supposed to rain today. I check the weather app every morning, no sign of rain. It's currently raining and the weather app is like, oh yeah, it's going to rain in two hours, but not now. But I'm looking at the rain. Okay. But it's raining and it's just like beautiful. (laughs) Like everything about this city is just magical. I know I've only been here four days. Surely this will wear off at some point. But right now I'm just like happy. Remember I was in Johannesburg and I would go to Cape Town and I'd be like, this is my happy place. I love it here. The power would be off in Johannesburg. The load shedding. I can't believe I lived through that. That was such an ordeal. But the load shedding would happen in Johannesburg and I would be absolutely miserable. And then it would happen in Cape Town and I'd just be like, well, you know, these things happen. What can you do? That's how I feel about Paris. It's my Cape Town. I love it here. I hit the ground running. I got in on Monday. I recorded the pod on Tuesday. So I was in the house most of the day. And I told you I had stuff everywhere. 
I'm trying to be more disciplined about my exploration in Paris. The last two cities I've lived in, I've only had only. I've been there for three months. In the last week or so, I'm always trying to cram in a million things that I didn't get done. And I always leave feeling like, oh, I didn't see this. Oh, I didn't see that. So I'm trying to be more mindful on the front end of things. So I try to do something every single day, even though I just got here on Monday. And even though on Tuesday, there was stuff scattered all over the apartment and bags and clothes and the place ain't but so big. So, you know, I'm stepping over stuff to get, you know, from room to room or or down the hall or even out the door. I just left it because I had things to do out the house. And I was like, "It, it literally will still be here when I get back. So on Wednesday, I went to the Yves Saint Laurent Museum amazing. Um, Not quite as good as the Dior exhibit, but very good nonetheless. The designer actually launched his career as a designer for Dior and then started his own fashion house. But he used a lot of black models and the current exhibition, I don't know if they called it color blocking, but that was the draw for me. The model in the outfit that are used in the ad, it's Iman from like, just based on the color blocking, I'd say it was late 80s, early 90s. But Iman was in all the ads to go to the museum. So I was like, let me go see Iman. Or her outfit, at least. It is on display. But it's a cute museum. Not very extensive. As a general observation in Europe, whenever they do exhibitions, especially fashion, it tends to be really, really, really extensive. This one, not so much. More oddly video of fashion than actual like mannequins with the clothes on. Interesting choice. But it didn't have a lot of space either. So they made do with what they have. The videos are really good, though. It's just hard to capture them and share with, with you all. I posted a little bit of my visit on Instagram. I put it in my highlights of Paris. It should be the first highlight that comes up on my Instagram page if you're interested in seeing it. And then when I left the museum, it looked like on the map that this other museum, I'm going to butcher the name of it. It's the Museum de du um, Orsay. O-R-S-A-Y. I'm sure that's not how they pronounce it in France. One of my really good friends last time, she was in Paris. She, was, she said it was her favorite museum. But she said, when you go, you'll be there for hours. And the last couple of times that I've been here, I've been on a huge time crunch. So I didn't get a chance to see it. But I have nothing else to do on Wednesday. Time, space, and opportunity. So I was like, well, let me go since it's right there. Or it looked like it was right there on a map. It was only like 25 minutes walk. This is how I end up doing like 10,000 and 14,000 steps every day. Because I'll be like, oh, it's only 25 minutes. I'll just walk it as opposed to take the train or get a cab. But it was a good walk. It was a really nice day out. And I ended up staying in the museum for five and a half hours. Really extensive museum. A lot of black stuff. I shared that on my Instagram page as well with at Demetria L. Lucas. I know some people listen to the pod, but don't follow any of the social media. I go to art museums mostly because... I like portraits of society women from 19th, early 20th century. That's when they're like really releasing the fabric. Everybody's walking around in ball gowns. It's like day wear. But to see the clothes and then the artist's rendering of the clothes, how you can look at a picture and be like, oh, that's silk. Oh, that's chiffon. Oh, that's velvet. And then, you know, the way the light hits it and then like the lace and the ruffles and the draping of the gowns, the designs on the gowns, it's all just, ugh. But that's a huge reason why I go to art museums. And this museum didn't disappoint for that. And they also have this exhibition, Degas, Monet, Van Gogh. They had Starry Night, which I saw the painting and I immediately thought of John Witherspoon 
right after he passed away, his son posted, JD posted a picture or posted a video of he and his father in the studio together and his dad, John Witherspoon, was singing Starry, Starry Night. And as soon as I saw the Van Gogh painting, I thought of John Witherspoon. Extensive exhibits and then lots of black stuff. I love to go to museums, again, especially in Europe. It's harder to find in the U.S. unless you go specifically to an exhibition that's about black stuff or a museum that's about black stuff. You just don't very often see black history, black art mixed in with everything else. The U.S. just got problems. I mean, everywhere got its problems. Certainly France does. But their museums, they mix it all together. Lots of really good black art, even if some of it was like straight up racist. Like there was this one really, really beautiful sculpture. It was a sculpture of, I think, a Sudanese man dressed in Algerian clothing. And the title of it was something, something with the N-word. And I was like, oh, God. And the museum made a point to say this was the original title. They pointed out that it was in poor taste. But beautiful work nonetheless. Just, you know, racist. That was Wednesday. And then Thursday, I went to a chateau outside of the city. It's really, really beautiful. It's like a full-on, I don't think I've ever seen this before, like a full-on castle with a moat. You have to cross like, I wouldn't say a drawbridge, but a bridge to get to the castle. Like it's a legit moat. And then it also had a tower outside the castle, a Rapunzel type tower where somebody could be like held up in prison. It was real like Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair. Like it was, it was beautiful and huge. I was like, this is amazing. You know how I feel about my architecture and my old homes. But I thought that was going to be like a half day thing. When I read online, it was like, oh, it's only an hour from Paris. Or you take an hour to one train and then there's another train that's 20 minutes. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I was trying to, you know, just plan out the trip. So I knew what time to like get to the train station and everything the following day. Come to find out, it was actually two and a half hours each way. And I had to take a total of five trains to get there and four trains back. And that was the easy route. And I was like, oh, you're kidding me. I had had it in my mind that like, okay, like it's going to be a forever bop to get there and then a forever bop to get back. I just would have had my mind in the right place. But I was like, oh, like I'll get up like an hour before I have to be there and just take the train. It'll be fine. And then I ended up spending literally 13 hours outside the house. I I literally was gone for 13 hours. Yeah, because I left the house at 545. It wasn't even light out when I left. I left the house at 545. I didn't get back until like 645. It was a day. I mean, it was worth it. It was beautiful. I saw very beautiful things that, that made my mouth drop. Gorgeous views, beautiful gardens. I ate at the chateau, but I was like, sis, you got to plan a little better. And then today is pod day. So I don't plan anything on Tuesdays or Fridays just so I can focus exclusively on the pod and then anything that needs to be done around the house. So I woke up this morning. I planned to do it last night. I just didn't have the energy after being out all day and actually cleaned up the apartment, like unpacked the suitcases and put everything away and figured out how to make use of my teeny tiny airplane sized bathroom. Uh, where stuff can actually go so it's convenient so I'm not going to grab my toothbrush and deodorant out the bedroom when I need to do my morning routine. So I think I figured it out. The apartment actually looks like a sane person lives here as opposed to like stuff everywhere. So it's good. Like I feel, 
I don't want to say settled in Paris, but I feel more settled in my apartment. Oh, and remember how I was telling y'all how like I was really like kind of freaked out about moving to a country where I don't speak the language? Everyone here speaks complex English. Full, complete, and fluent English. I try to speak, at least be polite. Like, bonjour, s'il vous plaît. And they'd be like, yes. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, English? Like, yes, you can speak in English? And I'm like, oh, merci. Okay, you're welcome. <laughs> Everybody speaks English. I asked for a phone charger the other day. I was two hours from Paris, and my phone was at 10%, and I was like, I'm fucked. I was like, this is like Lisbon all over again, except the phone actually can work. It just needs to be charged. I remember the charger. I forgot the cord. So I asked one woman and she didn't fully understand what I was asking. So she was trying to help me find an outlet. And then I was like, no, no. And I managed to explain like through hand signals and broken French. And I was like, no, I have a charger. I just don't have a cord. And she had an older phone, so she didn't have one. And so she was like, maybe you can ask someone when you get on the train. And I was like, okay. So I got on the train and I asked me, there's a black guy next to me who had on his headphones and then a guy sitting across from me who had an iPhone and no headphones. I was like, excuse moi, s'il vous plaît. He didn't. But then the black guy with the headphones on heard me asking. And he, he was like, what do you need? He reached in his pocket and gave me a charger. And I was like, merci. Okay, you're welcome. <laughs> oh, petty. The men here are fine too. The black guys don't really talk to me like that. But the North Africans, I would call them black. They would be offended if I called them black. So I'm just going to go with North African because that seems to work with them. They also don't refer to themselves as African, even though, you know, from Morocco or Algeria or, you know, North African places on the continent of Africa, but will be deeply offended if you call them African. I think you specifically have to say North um, just to say African, they feel away. And I was like, mm, really here? So they treat y'all like shit, just like they do black folks from Africa or the Caribbean, but they're actually okay with black Americans. It's weird. The social construct of race is bizarre. I understand black and white based on an American understanding because that's home, but you know, it's a complete social construct. So every society constructs how they deal with race in a different way. But it's all, no matter where it is, whether it's the U.S. way or the Ghanaian way or the South African way or the British way, it's just all some, on some real Rodney King. Why can't we all just get along? Which is kind of inaccurate. It's like, why can't white folks just stop oppressing people and men stop oppressing women and cis women stop oppressing trans women? People curse me out real bad over the concept of, you know, trans inclusivity. And it was all black women too. And I was like, you know what it's like to be discriminated against, either for being black or for being a woman, especially the combination of such. It's like, are you gonna just go ahead and discriminate and be evil to other people? You know how it feels. And yet you do it anyway. I guess that's kind of like very white womanish. Like, you know how it feels to be discriminated against as a woman, but you go ahead and just discriminate against black folk, black women, and don't think no two ways about it. Hmm. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like, it 
I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I Speaking of that, we'll talk about Iggy Azalea in a minute because, girl, <laughs> I actually had a segment in Tuesday's episode about her when I recorded it and I took it out because I was like, mm, I kind of felt people were going at her a little hard. When she wrote this letter to the judge about Tory Lanez, she said, I guess we're talking about it now. Her version of events was she said that he should receive a sentence that, and I'm paraphrasing, focused on rehabilitation, but it shouldn't be something that, I don't know if her word was ruined or disrupted or destroyed his life or something like that. But after it was leaked that she was one of the people that had written a letter and then things that she had said, she wrote, I don't know if it was 10 points, like eight bullet points, uh, clarifying. And she was like, one, I wrote a letter to the judge. This was never supposed to be released to the public is what I was told. She was like, I suggested, I think she said something about like five years, not 10. She said she didn't pick a side in the story because there were so many, and this is a quote, oddities in the story on both sides. So she didn't choose. And so she really felt like people were making a big deal out of nothing. She was like, I believe in prison reform. It sounded well enough. And the point that I made in a podcast episode, and I was like, mm, people just don't like her. And that's why they're going so hard about it. I was never an Iggy Azalea fan. Like, I just kind of felt like she, you know, she was cosplaying as a black woman, essentially. And I was like, mm, she might be right. She might have a point, but I don't really feel like I have to be the one to say it. Whenever white women get into, you know, messy situations, it's always a bunch of people who will run to their defense, especially black men. And I was like, she'll be all right. She don't really need me to waste my breath to jump in that conversation. So Tori gets sentenced. The judge gave him 10 years, which I think is fair. But after he gets sentenced, the judge, the court, the prosecution, somebody releases all of the character statements that people have written on behalf of Tory Lanez. So we just talked about Iggy and she was like, I didn't choose a side one way or another because there were so many oddities. But he asked me to write something for him. And if so, I did. What is their connection? How are they this close? I'm not writing a character statement for anyone unless we've been like friends for more than 20 years. Like I could see maybe if she was like, okay, you know, T.I. needs a character reference. Like T.I. put her on. He made her famous and helped her earn millions of dollars. I could understand T.I., but I was like, Tory Lanez? So again, she said she didn't choose a side in the situation because there were so many oddities in the whole story. The character reference determined that was a lie. She told the judge that if he wasn't sentenced to jail, that she would personally employ him. 
Really? She vouched for that man like he was birthed from her canal. Like she went hard. Let me see if I can find it. Iggy Azalea letter. Because I was like, girl, Vibe has a full letter. It's three pages. She told the judge he is not an abuser. And she said she would know because she's a victim of abuse herself. She said Tory Lanez had been nothing but lovely and respectful to her. She said, quote, I deeply appreciate the person he is, and I have never witnessed him lose his temper or raise his voice at a woman. He's always been incredibly respectful of me, and I refuse to believe that he would do anything in malice, especially to a woman. She also told the judge, she said, like yourself, I'm great at what I do and am well respected by my peers. Lies from the pits of hell, ma'am. Lies and fabrications, ma'am. Oh, this is the word I was looking for earlier. She asked the judge that Tory Lane's sentence be transformational and not life-destroying. Vibe also reposted her bullet points where she said she hadn't been in touch with Tory for months. So y'all not even really close these days. And he still asked you to write a character reference and you said yes. Am I Bill funny? Because I would have been like, mm, 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 mm. She described him as the type of person who is, quote, watering and shining light on others until something beautiful grows. They used to fight. I know he's a little man, but maybe he's not little in all parts because this is wild. She said that if he is not deported, she'd already lined up work for him as an executive producer on her next album. And she revealed that she'd hired six of his staff members as she's, quote, doing all I can to make sure he's in a position to come home and get back to work. All this for somebody she said she ain't been talking to? Really? Okay. I'm not going to say all white women can't be trusted, but between Jennifer Aniston and this chick, it's been a bad week for trusting white women in the public eye. If she just sent the letter and, and people found out about it and she never said anything, like, I just let it be. She wrote a real indignant list of bullet points. I would never. And then the letter revealed that you did. Ma'am. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mm -hmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. And good black news this week. It's nothing significant. You know, Cookie and Magic are still on that damn boat. The Johnson, Magic and wife Cookie, you know, they go on this yacht. To call it a boat is actually kind of rude. They rent this yacht every year. It's been at least that they've been sharing pictures online. I would probably say four summers, maybe five. And again, this is just them posting. They may have been doing the yacht a lot longer than that, but they rent a yacht every summer. They usually go for, I would say, two weeks to a month. They have different events aboard the yacht. So sometimes it's like couples week on the yacht and they'll have, I think it was this year, it was like Judge Joe Brown and his wife and then Samuel Jackson and his wife, Michael Jordan and his wife. There was another couple. There's a white couple that's sometimes on the boat. We've seen them before. Previous years, they've had Holly Robinson Pete and her husband are on the boat. LL Cool J and Simone, his wife, are on the boat. It's always couples. Kevin Lyles and his then wife, Erica, it's a bad chick. I love that lady. They were on the boat. 
I think that's when I first started paying attention to it. Erica's pictures were freaking amazing and her wardrobe. Again, I love that lady. She's like big sis in my head. It's always good grown black excellence. But this year, I think this is the longest they've been on the boat because it's over a month at this point. So they had the couples week and then the couples left and then it was family week. So EJ was there. The son, I think that's Andre. And in his family, they've got two grandkids. They were there. The daughter was there. And then they left. And then Cookie and Magic just been cruising around. I think most recently they were in Montenegro. They've been posting the outfit of the day without calling it that every day. They're eating at the best of restaurants. And they're just hanging out on this damn boat. Yacht. And I was like, what left did I make in life that I didn't end up with a yacht life? It's not too late for me, is it? I don't need to live on a yacht. I don't even need a full month on a yacht. Can I just have like a, a week on a big ass yacht? I read the yacht was a million dollars a day. Or was that Steve and Marjorie's yacht? They usually do a big ass yacht every year too. I saw Marjorie's. I don't even know what to call him. Is he the ex-husband? Is he some man? I think he might be the father of the oldest two children. So I think Lori has a different dad from her brother and sister. But he did an interview with Tasha K. He's written a book. I guess it's an expose about Marjorie. Somebody sent me a link on Facebook where he's advertising his new book. His own version of speaking about Marjorie, he says they were together when she was 19 and he was 31. And he said that she was all about money and she ran game on him. And I was like, so you was a 31-year-old man and got fleeced by a 19-year-old? You're dumb. Your version of events makes you sound like an idiot. The other thing he says, and this is when he's advertising the book, he says they dated way back when. And I just also like to point out, Marjorie is 57 years old. He's talking about from when he dated her at 19. Also, he says, he and Marjorie kept in contact up until she got with Steve. Okay. You kept in contact with her until she met and married her husband. What you telling me is that like when she was a single woman, y'all still dipped and dabbled. And then when she started dating Steve, who became her husband, there was no more dipping and dabbling. Sir, that's how it's supposed to go. In promoting this book, he's admitting that he's not had contact with this woman since before she married Steve. Steve and Marjorie have been married for 15 years. Now, you know, I really do like Marjorie Harvey, but even if I didn't, Sometimes you just got to point out some shit. Sir, you trying to tell us that Marjorie's all about the money? Yeah, we know. You trying to tell us Marjorie used to date drug dealers? Yeah, we know. We don't care. Sir, the woman is 57 years old. You trying to go back and talk about shit that happened when she was in her teens and 20s and maybe 30s at at latest. Sir, it's just, it's really not that interesting. I don't know what they could say about Marge that they haven't been saying. Because they say she dated drug dealers. That's pretty much been confirmed. They say she dated somebody and then he got locked up and then she started dating his cousin. I was like, is this man the first cousin that she dated or is it the second cousin? If, if true. I like Marjorie. If Marjorie was into some scandalous shit, I'd say, oh no, not the Marge. I don't like to hear it. We would have had a segment where I said, oh dear, inside a lot. You know how like when I like somebody and I got to talk about some terrible things that they may be engaging in, I'd be like, oh dear. It's just, it's just not the case. Woman's 57. Like, I kind of wonder, like, when does a woman get to move on from her past? If ever. 
Because the picture that the guy is using to promote his book, it's a picture of Marjorie. She's super young, which is some real predatory shit. Like, even if you can't move on and you decide to go, go, go full Irv Gotti and just like want to talk about 20 year old shit from somebody you used to date or be in a relationship with, like, okay. But when I was reading the comments section, like, people were really kind of into it and were really like dragging Marjorie. This woman has been married with no scandal about the marriage at all. Like nothing. The biggest complaint people have about Marjorie, they're like, oh my God, Steve is working all those jobs and Marjorie's spending up all that money. Steve likes that shit. People are always like, oh, it's Marjorie. Marjorie likes to stunt. Steve also likes to stunt. Marjorie is not forcing him to wear all these fancy silks and linens. He likes that shit. You could tell by the way he walked when he got it on. They like to stunt. He went and found somebody who he could stunt who likes to stunt like he does. She taught him how to do it with a little more finesse and razzle-dazzle. At what point do people, particularly women, because I feel like men get to move on. Like men do some shit and then the following day, you'd be like, I can't believe you did that shit yesterday. And a guy will straight face ask you like you still bringing that up. It happened yesterday. Women, some shit happened. Like, oh, you still bringing that up? It happened 30 years ago. And it's all just so grossly unfair. You know, it's funny. I'm just, I'm watching this documentary on um, Netflix. It's called Ladies First. It's about women in hip hop. There was a huge uproar about it because people were like, Nicki Minaj isn't featured. I've watched two episodes. In fact, the first episode, the first five to 10 minutes, Nicki Minaj is shown at least five or six times just because she wasn't in the trailer. It's a whole lot of shit that wasn't in the trailer. It's like at least a three part series, one hour each and maybe longer. I can literally vouch for there were three parts because I watched two and there was a next episode. And I was like, let me stop watching TV and actually record the podcast. Nicki Minaj comes up repeatedly throughout. And there's also a ton of other people in the documentary that come up repeatedly throughout. They were also not featured in the trailer. People dragged that documentary so bad. It was like, Nicki Minaj isn't in it. Nicki Minaj isn't in it. She is. She's not interviewed, but there's a lot of people that weren't interviewed. So far, Cardi hasn't been interviewed either. They talk about Cardi. But they also talk about Nicki Minaj in the documentary way more than they talk about Cardi, even though Cardi is like probably the biggest female rapper right now. It's, a, it's the story of women in hip-hop. It's very thorough. I mean, Roxanne Shantae is there, and MC Light is there, and Queen Latifah, and Yo-Yo. They talk about Little Kim and Foxy and Lauren. It's very interesting. Like, even if you think you know stories, Unless you're like Clover Hope, who wrote an entire book about women in hip hop, you probably don't know all the ins and outs details. Like, I watched the movie about Roxanne Shantae. Just watching this documentary, I felt like, not even I felt, I learned things that didn't come up in the movie. Like, I knew Roxanne was really young when she became a rapper and when she started getting big attention. I don't think I realized that she was 14 or 15. I'm sure that's said in the movie, but because the actress playing her was older, it just didn't resonate. There's a song, Roxanne, Roxanne by UTFO. And then Roxanne, the rapper, responds to UTFO. I think that's Roxanne's revenge. And that's how she starts to blow up. And then all these other people start responding to Roxanne. And then she's just battling with all these different rappers. And again, she's 14, 15 years old and listening to the song. I don't know if I ever heard it before or not as an adult because I didn't realize how young she sounded. She sounds like a little girl, but there's grown ass men. KRS-One was one of the people who responded and he said something like, 
I don't remember the exact quote. It's the equivalent of her only use is to be fucked. And I was like, did he know he was responding to a 15-year-old girl? I know it was the 80s and I know it was a different time, but like she's literally a child. There was another response where somebody was like, yeah, Roxanne can suck my dick. It was just so vulgar. And I was like, she's 14 or 15 years old. She's literally a girl who sounds like a little girl. And this is how grown men are responding to a child? Men ain't had a lot of decency for a really long time. But it's a really good documentary so far. If you have the time to check it out, it's worth the sit. And again, I know we touched on it, but there was so much. When the trailer for this documentary came out, Nikki's fans, the Barb's, are they're just a very, very vocal, maniacal, if you will, group of people. But they were so outraged. Like, Nikki's not featured in how you do a documentary without Nikki and Nikki, 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 Nikki. I mean, maybe they went in and, and added a bunch of Nikki in response to the backlash. I do know in response to the backlash that the producers had mentioned that Nikki wouldn't give clearance for her music. And I was like, does Nikki own her shit to give clearance? I don't know. But Nikki didn't give clearance and I don't think she participated, but she's prominently featured. Nikki Minaj was not left out. She's one of the best selling female rappers ever. I can't see even if, you know, there was a desire to be spiteful. It would be a huge, huge oversight or misstep, not even oversight. It would be a huge misstep not to include her. You'd be leaving out like a large chunk of the story of Black women who are rappers, at least in the forefront, it was just Nikki for like four or five years. All the awards for women in rap, like it automatically went to Nikki until Cardi showed up. So if you were staying away from the documentary because you were like, oh, they did Nikki wrong. Maybe there are barbs among us, um, but Nikki has not been left out. She is, she's prominently featured. She is included. Just FYI. I would have recorded the podcast a little earlier today. Not that it's late. So when I got up earlier today to clean up the apartment, I saw there was a new series on Netflix that had, oh, what is his name? Sarah Jessica Parker's husband, Ferris Bueller. What is his name? Matthew Broderick. And then also Uzu Adobo. Suzanne, Crazy Eyes from Orange is the New Black. They're pretty much the stars of it. It is amazing storytelling. I want to say it's like five or six episodes. It's riveting. It's about the opioid epidemic. Remember Oxycontin? It was everywhere. It was a really, really big drug. It was approved by the FDA. It was also incredibly toxic. It was essentially like heroin in pill form. But it's the story of Oxycontin and how addictive it was and how the company knew and didn't care and how they made so much money and how the sales force was also addicted to the money and the sales teams were a mess. And I don't want to say more because I want you to watch it because it's really good. But it puts a really human face on the company as well as the people who were harmed by taking Oxycontin. And one of the ways that the documentary does this, I don't think I'm giving anything away. You know, when there's a work of art that's based on real life events, that there's often a disclaimer that says, this is based on true events, but, you know, it has been fictionalized for dramatic effect and any relation to, you know, real people is blah, 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 blah. The people that they have reading the disclaimer are parents of people who have died from taking Oxycontin. It's a really good series. I don't know the true events to know how much of it is 
condensed or fictionalized for TV. But the gist of it of, you know, this company knew they were selling this terrible product, essentially. That part we know is true. I think they said half a million people have died from Oxycontin. The overall story is just, it's like a horror film. But the acting and the storytelling and the way it's just all put together is just really, really, really well done. Like, I only intended to watch an episode. The house was clean and I was like, what else can I do so I can keep watching this? And I was like, well, let me go ahead and wash my hair. Then I had to sit with the deep conditioning. Then I had to twist and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I ended up watching the whole damn thing. (sighs) That good. One sitting. Did a full binge. Haven't done that in a while. All right. That's our episode. I feel like there's something I'm missing, some big story, but I can't remember what it is. Of course, as soon as I finish the episode and send it in, it'll come to me because that's how it always works. I don't know. All right, whatever it is, we'll talk about it next week. All right, I'm going to edit. Talk soon. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.